Oh, okay, baby, you gave me the business on that one. You dig what I'm saying? Okay. That's real life, though. You be spending how we get it. You know what I'm saying? I got you, though, baby. I got you. Good morning. That was Ratatat on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the best in basement radio and the voice of Rollins College. You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. We do this every week from 7 to 9. And every week I have a very special guest. Today's special guest, Brian Luft. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for coming in so early this morning. I'm glad you have your passion fruit tea. I feel like that sugar will give you the energy to get through the show. I hope so. (laughs) There you go. And uh, so Brian's here uh, for a number of different reasons. I actually met you at Otronicon last month or the month before. I can't remember. January. It was January. And you were developing a game uh, there and a a pretty interesting and compelling game. So not just a video game, not just a mobile game, but uh, something with specific appeal to people that are visually challenged. Yeah, so uh, I had an idea to make a game that you could potentially play with just using your ears. And, um, you know, I decided to quit my job actually in December. And then by January, mid-January, I had the prototype uh, made for that game. And um, I'm just, I'm really just now getting into the kind of um, area of game development that involves accessibility or trying to get involved with it. Yeah. And... I kind of had that game, that idea for the game that you could play with your ears with the idea that anyone could play it. But um, then it very quickly became obvious that it had the potential for, you know, people who are visually impaired or blind to be able to actually play the game and enjoy it. Before we get too too in depth on that, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better first? Because this is one of the things I like about doing the show is I get to invite people that I know. Because um, I know some fairly interesting people. I'm not, you know, humble brag. Uh, but I also get to invite people out that I don't know at all. Mm. So while we've had a chance to to get to know each other in that fast half hour uh, right. early in the morning, which people are very honest <laughs> early in the morning. I think I've got That's way true. too much information on you. Uh, but let me get to know you a little bit with a little uh, word association game that we play. Okay. So, but instead of word association, instead of me saying something and you reacting to that, you have two choices. It's sound or fury. Sound or theory? Fury. Fury. So it usually would be sound and fury, but instead we're going to do sound or fury. So sound, something sound, that means it's, you know, truthful, it's, it's right, it's, you know, the type of thing that you want. And sound obviously is something very compelling to you. You're an audio engineer. Mm -hmm. You're working on this game to help people who, uh, and it's mainly going to be through a 3D audio environment, so Mm -hmm. that help people with any kind of sight impairments. Even if they don't, they can still play this game. Mm. Uh, Fury, who likes being mad? Nobody. Nobody. Well, I do. Well, but yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm Greek, so I'm <laughs> basically mad all the time. So I guess it's not that I really like it; it's just that that's my nature. Uh, so, but let's get to know you a little bit better. So right. I'm going to say something, and if you like it or if you're for it, say sound. If you're against it, say fury. Okay. All right. Ready? Got it. Voicemail. Fury. You don't Absolute care for it. fury. <laughs> Unbridled rage. I like that. Okay, all right. You really don't care for that, so it depends. Uh, also, on the, I mean, if it's a if it's a call from someone that you don't know who would be you know an important professional that you're trying to get a hold of, and you want to you know hear that this was this person trying to get a hold of you, then a voicemail is good. But if it's someone familiar, then I feel like it's a cardinal sin to leave them a voicemail. Oh, really? So someone you know, don't leave a voicemail. Yeah. Why aren't you just texting me? Right. Or just, I, I'm going to call you back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, if it's, it, again, I'm, I'm being kind of, uh, I guess I'm thinking of uh, specific voicemails where I'm like, why didn't you just 
I was just about to call you back. I don't know. I'm, Why I guess did I'm being you leave me this two-minute yeah. voicemail? Got it. Okay. How about then millennials? Uh, I feel well, like you're I'm a millennial. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I have to say I don't appreciate a lot of the millennial hate. I feel like it's unfounded. A lot of it. I mean, I so understand some of it. The for people sure. who dislike millennials for right. whatever reason because... Well, every generation hates the generation after it, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and let's see. So after the generation uh, before millennials was what? The baby boomers? No, X. Oh, oh so Generation had, X. Okay. Yeah, you had boomers, you had Generation X, you had millennials, right, and then okay. you have uh, Generation Y? I think yeah. so. Okay. Well, I feel like most of the hate comes from the boomers. What do you think? Uh, the boomers, yeah, I think the Generation X is still like trying to, because I'm Generation X, mm. we're still trying to consider ourselves young enough that everybody hates us too. Yeah. Because otherwise we're old now. We're the establishment, right? right? <laughs> like the music's too loud. Get off of our lawn. We don't want to be that. Right. So I think we have a little more empathy for the millennials. Uh, but yeah, I think it is from the boomers. Yeah. Well, so the, the fact that it's from the boomers just honestly, it just makes a lot of the, the criticism invalid to be, to be honest is how I feel about it because they just have no room to talk in almost every place they want to talk in. <laughs> nice. That's my feeling on it. All right. Sound or fury colonizing Mars. Oh, geez. Uh, I got to say, I got to say fury. You're not being judged, but yeah. I'm keeping score. Okay, you're keeping score. If, if it's right or wrong. No. Okay. <laughs> I got to say Fury just because I feel like uh, I feel like colonizing Mars is just such a waste of our of our resources right now. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it seems like even if you were to... It just seems like the idea of living on such a barren wasteland, even trying to colonize it and like make it, it's so inhospitable. Like people don't appreciate how inhospitable of a place it is. And then even to make it hospitable is just ridiculous. Like, like I'm just imagining people paying for paying obscene amounts of money to be one of the first colonizers on Mars to and go there. Yeah, to yeah. go there. And then I'm also imagining this in the context of, you know, the earth is go is getting worse and worse environmentally. Right. And then they go to colonize Mars, but they have they're not even prepared for just how much worse the in, inhospitable Mars is than no, the, the dying planet. Yeah. And and then I'm just imagining like these these private space profiteers like getting rich off of people's desire to do that. Oh, sure. And then have to be the guinea pigs living so on Mars. Why don't we start a branding campaign for staying on Earth? <laughs> Earth. Why not? Why not? Why not stay? Why and, not just uh, hang out? Yeah, maybe we still, I don't know if the if we're going to be able to stop the polar ice caps from melting, but hey, well, I don't think Mars is going to be much better. North Dakota would be great. <laughs> it seems safe. There's not a lot of stuff happening there. It's well above the uh, right. uh, the ocean level. So yeah, all right. Uh, how about zombies? Zombies. Sound or fury? Um, Let's see. You know, I got to go with, jeez, everything's Fury right now. I got to go with Fury. <laughs> you know why? angry this morning. I'm, I'm not happy this morning. I got to, <laughs> I've been, uh, well, you know, I'm kind of over the genre and I've been watching Walking Dead religiously, which is, I'm kind of like loath to admit because at this point I really am, I'm just kind of ready for it to be over at this point. Uh, this Negan guy, I want him. I want him to die, and I want the show. I'm just the show. I feel like has run its course, and so uh, I'm so at that just, point. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I, I'm curious about this because the the comic book is still running. Yeah. Right. And in theory, you know, you could run that forever. Right. Uh, because it is about this post apocalyptic wasteland and all that. Yeah. 
is there, do you want just some conclusion to come to it? It's not necessarily lived happily ever after. Right. That's <laughs> unlikely. Uh, uh, but yeah. Do you just want it? I, I want it to be done so I can move on and invest myself emotionally and, uh, you know, everything else in another show. Yeah, it sounds uh, pretty ridiculous when I, when I, that is exactly the sentiment I have. And it sounds ridiculous because I don't have to watch the show at the end of the day. But yeah, I but, would uh, appreciate I just want a conclusion to this Negan story. Right. Because he's just been like, uh, I mean, every villain that you've had on that show, you really want to their end to right, come. Right, but uh, right. this guy especially, I'm just like, ah, oh, gosh. Well, and are you reading the comics at all? I am not. So that makes my you know critique of the show that much uh, more... Uh, I don't know, illegitimate probably some I, of the big fans. I don't fans, think but. so, because I think what happens is you have to have something that stands alone, right? Like right. It should be able to stand alone without the expectations and everything else that goes along with the comic book. But there might be something to the comic book that you don't get out, just like anything that's translated from any kind of literature to a uh, screen adaptation, whether it's small screen or big screen. Right. You lose something. Yeah, You have sure. to. Um, so from what I understand, I haven't read, uh, and I've only watched the first season, mm. but the Negan character in the comic book is apparently super compelling. Oh, really? Everyone loves him in the comic book, <laughs> even though he's a bad guy. Right. Um, because they're able to do a lot more background with him and have a lot more fun with him. So right. something, uh, there. Okay. Moving on driverless cars. How do you feel about that sound or fury? Hmm. You're a tech guy. You're a I'm a tech guy. guy. I, you know, uh, I ha I think I have I think I'm very uh I think I'm feeling what a lot of people are feeling with it where you have that initial anxiety about it. Yeah. Uh but then I you know when I hear the experts talk about how you know if everyone was in a driverless car how much safer it would be that's compelling to me because you know the uh so many so many deaths are are happening because of uh, car yeah. accidents and Absolutely. So uh you know in that respect I it makes me you know try to you know, evaluate that anxiety and be like, okay, well, if you're, you're anxious about it from like a safety perspective, but mm -hmm. if it, if, you know, if it really is more safe then how valid is that? But also it's just like that natural feeling we have. Is it um, because you're putting your safety into the hands of an AI? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like I want to believe that I am the, you know, ultimate <laughs> controller over my own safety, which is not true at all, but you know, that's just a feeling. But that if you're we behind the have, wheel, right? you kind of still have that uh, a little bit more than if, you know, how 9,000 is controlling your car. Yeah. That, so that's the thing you saw, you can break her still, or you can over manually override. I don't know how that stuff is supposed to work. I think it's going to depend on how much autonomy there is total, right? right? Like if you're one of the few cars on the road, mm -hmm. uh, for example, Uber has rolled it out right. and they're doing some stuff with it. Although they just had a, they just reported an accident in Arizona. Um, they're running it, but with somebody behind the wheel, they're mm -hmm. not doing anything. It's just an Uber employee in the car. Right. Okay. So they can take over if necessary. See, and then I know Uber is going to, is like buying fleets of cars just so that they could have They're totally yeah. driverless. And that, I don't know yeah. how, and see, this is where, like, I, I like the, the idea of the tech, but um, ultimately I feel like the only way forward is to have better public transportation. So that is where I also feel like it's starting to, it, it like muddies the waters of that situation even more i feel like so right right well, and maybe that's maybe that's part of the brand campaign as well as if that you think of this we we like having control mm -hmm. we like having our own thing right so right. that's why public transportation isn't as big here mm -hmm. as it is in other countries right uh, or at least that's, that's my take theory, on it. that's yeah. my hot take on it uh so i don't know how accurate that is but if the idea is that you know we're promoting autonomous vehicles more mm -hmm. 
why not also promote public transportation at the same time? Because essentially it's kind of the same thing. You're, you're putting yourself in a situation where somebody else is yeah. taking you there. Yeah. And it would be great to see like, like, uh, you know, obviously Uber is going to be trying to do their own thing, but it would be great to see more like community um kind of ride sharing things that yeah. might come out of that. And that would, I think, fall under public transportation. And if it was controlled by the public, obviously, and that there, there, there could be, you know, there's potential for public initiatives to do something like that, I yeah. suppose, or just uh, community groups to try to figure out something like that. And that that's cool. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so we're, I think, almost at the final four or at the final four. How do you feel about March Madness, Sound or Fury? Oh, my goodness. I I am going to sound awful here. I've been, I haven't watched a single basketball game this whole month. Um, so I'm gonna have to say sound though, because I mean, I, I, I love basketball. Oh, you do? Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love playing it. Uh, I don't play it as much as I, as I should be probably, but, um, but, uh, I just haven't been paying. I haven't been watching any sports. You know, I, I, I played sports, you know, uh, my whole life playing football six years and ran, running track, play a little basketball, but I was never, you know, I was like the tall guy that wasn't very good. So I kind of fell off with uh, basketball a little bit. I'm the slightly shorter guy. That's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you probably you probably heard it too. Like you know, you're you're a big guy. Like you know, you gotta. You aren't you better? Or you know, you probably heard it. But um, really, all I have time for, or all I feel like I have time for, sports wise, is MMA, and that's the only thing I really follow. It's kind of goes because oh, that's what you do as a hobby, right? Yeah, that's one of the things I do as a hobby is uh, martial arts. So I've been doing Muay Thai for like five years now, and then I did judo for a couple years. Uh. That was many. That was when I was eighteen to twenty, though. So that was a few years ago. And then I just recently started jujitsu. So jujitsu actually came from judo. So I'm kind of somewhat continuing the grappling from from judo. Right. Okay. So yeah. I'm not going to challenge you to a fight. I think <laughs> is what I'm hearing uh, from that. All right. Moving on. Sounder Fury rated our comic book movies. Um. So we've had two. Yeah. Okay. If you don't count some of the more uh, what were the most recent ones? ones? Uh, Deadpool and Logan. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm totally sound. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we're, we we're kind of hitting on earlier the translation between comic book to uh, mm -hmm. visual media. And uh, yeah, I feel like if you're, if the comic book has those elements, then I don't see why you need to water them down for, for movie going audiences. Well, and that's what they're finding, right? Like the yeah. box office definitely seems to be there. Mm -hmm. And for Logan, you know, I was kind of on the fence about this. I did take my 13-year-old son to see it, mm. and he handled it fine. I right. mean, you know, there's so much violence and other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel regular like... Regular television and stuff, so... Yeah. If he hears a couple of additional F-bombs and things like that, it's not that bad, but... Right. I was yeah. going to say, I feel like it probably didn't actually stop that many uh, oh, no. younger younger people from seeing it. Not too many. They probably had to go with their parents, right. but not probably that much. But, yeah, they made enough money that it was fun. Uh, so let me ask you this. Cursive. Writing in cursive oh, is wow. coming back as sort of a requirement in some states. Some mm -hmm. states are just kind of pushing legislation to encourage people to or encourage uh, schools to teach it again. Right. Did you learn it? And I did how do you feel it. about it? This is funny because uh, now that you're saying it's becoming back and like some schools are trying to bring it back. I didn't know that I had left. Yeah. So uh, the fact that it's coming back, I, I have to say fury. I have to say I'm against that. And that's kind of hypocritical of me because I actually... Once I learned cursive in third grade, I wrote wrote solely in cursive from third grade until 
actually didn't start writing and print again until my last year of high school, senior year in high school. Wow. Yeah. And that it's funny. And my, my writing is bad as it is. So you can imagine that my uh, teachers didn't really appreciate the fact that I wrote everything in cursive. Oh, that's awesome though. That just must've driven them insane. <laughs> yeah, it must have, but I, I, I justified it as being quicker to write, but I don't know if that's true anymore. Like ever since I changed <laughs> back in my senior right. year to print, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I can do this at roughly the same speed, maybe even quicker because, you know, I can just kind of chicken, I still chicken scratch it anyway. So, uh, so yeah, I have to say, I don't really, I don't see why it seems kind of, uh, I don't know. It seems like kind of unnecessary to bring it back. I can, I, the only real word, real world application of cursive is you could argue anyway, would be your signature, your signature. Right. And even that is just, that could just be a, a line or it's, some it's, scribble, it's some yeah. scribble which is what mine is. So yeah. So I shouldn't I, say that on the air. <laughs> no, don't go and try to make, do my signature, even though it's basically just a scribble. Cause my yeah. last name is super long. Seems All like right. an elitist kind of thing almost to try yeah. to bring back a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, you're going to pick, this is questions that have been asked by prior guests. Okay. So you're going to pick, uh, there's a pink card and a green card. All right. So which do you want to answer? Uh, I'll do the pink card. Okay. So while you're looking at that, I'm just going to point out, we're going to play a song here in a second after you answer this question. And today's music, for the most part, has been either inspired by video games, because we're going to be talking a lot about video games, mm -hmm. uh, or, uh, you know, the titles, maybe something along those lines, or by Queen, which is one of your favorite bands. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite bands, for sure, as I've mentioned many, many times uh, on the air. And so after uh, we do the segment, we're going to hear from Francis McDonald and Looper with Mondo 77. And we'll hear some more of the uh, the Queenish music uh, later on. All right. So, could you read the question that somebody had for you? Okay. The question is: Do you have a radio voice? Do you have a version of her voice you use on air? Oh, that's a good question. So, doing the video game stuff and audio engineering, do you ever do kind of voiceover stuff? And would you ever do like a little bit of a voice disguise? Uh, and is this your real voice right now? This is my real voice right now. Um, actually it sounds different on this mic. I, so I record my own voice a pretty good amount for various sound design purposes. My voice sounds pretty good on this mic, I have to say. Um, usually I do not like the sound of my own voice. Um, I think it's because I can hear the, the, uh, this, uh, little gate here coming on and off on my mm -hmm. breaths and stuff. So that's one thing that definitely helps. But, um, yeah, I'm used to dealing with a lot of mouth sounds and I feel like I have a lot of mouth sounds that more so than most people, uh, just from editing di uh, dialogue from audiobooks is when I uh, really where I got most of my exposure to editing dialogue. But um, so but you're really listening for it in that case, right? Yeah, like, I'm like really paying just, attention to people's yeah, voices and yeah, the yeah. sibilances, so and the little clicking and, and the little yeah, all of those things. Yeah, uh, but um, but yeah, I just do I do various voices for like I had to do a space dragon, so I I just recorded myself doing like roars and then I heavily edit those obviously, so it doesn't sound anything like. You oh, know, it just doesn't it sound like you saying roar. Right. It doesn't okay. just sound well, like me good. saying roar. Like I was actually like trying, you know, trying to make doing my best monster. What was the name of the space dragon? It was just named space dragon. Yeah. It wasn't. Oh, okay. it, yeah. This was the game we made. It was a pretty short. Uh, it was like a two week long game more or less that we, oh, we nice. spent on it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do. I can do a radio voice. I think um, uh, I don't really know anything. An example to say. I don't know. Oh, do a. um. Uh, do like a morning radio show like Taco Bill and the Jiffy. Well, I just do good morning. This is WPRK. 
That's pretty all good. right. Did that work? It's got some good bass in it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as my intro later right. on. So thanks for recording that for me. All right, so let's play a song. Thank you for doing that. And if you wouldn't mind, right. uh, let's do have you do a question for a future guest. Okay. And we're gonna hear from Francis McDonald and Looper with Mondo seventy seven. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Uh, you're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. I'm back with Brian Luft. Brian, thank you again for being here. Of course. Uh, Brian and I met at Otronicon back in January. He's working on a game uh, specifically for people. It wasn't even, not necessarily, it's for anybody. Yeah, it's for anybody. But for uh, specifically designed around sort of a 3D audio environment. So yeah. if you have any kind of vision impairment, uh, you can play this game. And enjoy easily. it the same as anyone else. Anyone else. Um, so in doing some research for this, like I didn't, it, it didn't occur to me that this was as big of an issue. So I'm going to appear to be very, very uh, ignorant on this. And then I'm fine. I own that uh, because it's something that didn't really, uh, it wasn't on my radar until I met you at Otronicon. Well, disclaimer, I'm going to have to own my ignorance as well, because like I said, well, I don't know if I did say this earlier, but this is pretty new for me as well. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to have to own my ignorance as well. Disclaimer. So, and this, this applies and I, I've, I've worn glasses since I was five years old. So, but this doesn't just apply to bad eyesight. Mm -hmm. So there was a, an artist I was looking at this weekend, I was at the gallery at Avalon Island for uh, Litlando, which is a, a writing conference this past weekend. And there was an artist there. His name is Forrest Dublot, and uh, French. And uh, I mean, the local, he's a student over at UCF. Hmm. And he's actually colorblind and he paints in black and white as a way. And it's, it's really cool looking. I mean, it's right. kind of almost street art slash meets everything else. But this was a picture and I'll post it on Instagram it was a picture of a scrub jay. It was a mm. painting of a scrub jay. And it was beautiful in black and white. Mm. But he sort of does that as a way to illustrate, like, this is how I have to think of things. Right. And he does a much better job on his website of describing, you know, kind of the thinking behind it and things like that. So mm. I would encourage you to go see that. But I'll check that out. Uh, I And then I uh, met a guy who was uh, doing some stuff, doing some sculpture, and he was using PVC instead of wood. Oh, that's said, awesome. I love PVC. <laughs> yeah, but he was doing it because he's colorblind. Oh. So in order to stain the piece and to really get the detail on the piece that he wants and would, it's much more difficult for him. Wow. So again, this was something that I hadn't even thought of in mm -hmm. terms of, okay, so then looking online and looking at a couple of different places and colorblindness being an issue that you might find in video games. So if you right. have uh, something where your icons are different colors, but they're the same icon, arrows. Mm -hmm. For yeah. example, something I wouldn't have considered a green arrow and a red arrow. Right. To sort of denote this is where you want to go. This is not where you want to go. You, you're talking about a population that won't be able to play the game. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why and that's why sound is so important as a um, as a method of feedback in general for video games, because um, it's not even the folks that can see that that's a green arrow and that's a red arrow. If there is a sound element that distinguishes them, that's just reinforcing the, you right. know that there's an obvious difference between these things but yeah for those folks that can't determine that that's a green arrow versus a red arrow or they look the, like the same color uh then if there is that audio element to them you know even if it's just like a small click a lot of user interface sounds are typically just very you know tiny clicks or beeps or boops or something like that it obviously depends on the aesthetic of the game you know a lot of the if it's a sci-fi, it'll be something synthetic. If it's uh, something, you know, kind of, uh, if it's, I, I hesitate to say re uh, real world because there, you know, there are real world games. If it's a, if it's like a shooter, I, I, I guess the, the best example of a modern 
or contemporary based game would be like a shooter and they often have ue sides of sounds that are just like clicks from like metal clicks from the guns if it's like a uh, right if it's a medieval fantasy game it'll just be organic sounds like little clicks like wood clicks and clacks or Mm -hmm. like little maybe metal movements as well from like swords or shields or something like that yeah again something else i hadn't considered in all this is the sound design Mm -hmm. uh, of a game and we'll get into more detail on that and what your background is and how you kind of came into uh, uh that part of the field but let's talk a little bit about, so you uh, do some work or you volunteer with Indienomicon, mm-hmm. which is a local group of a bunch of different uh, indie game developers that get together uh, on a regular basis. They've yep, got a big every event. month. Yeah, coming up. And so it's great because it's a network. And what I love about it is it's a lot like some of the other groups that are out there. It's not competitive, right? Right. Like you can go there. You are a game developer. You're not a game developer. You want to get into it. Mm-hmm. You can learn from a lot of different people. You can, I think the usual monthly thing, you can go up and actually demo one yeah. of your games and get some feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice that the community gets together and supports each other rather Definitely. than, you know, oh, my game has to be better than everybody else's. So right, right. I can't show them and I can't do that. Uh, so you were doing some work with them and you all ended up, Indianomicon ended up doing some work with uh, the Conductive Education Center of Orlando, which is another group that I learned about through mm-hmm. this process. Right. So uh, the SECO school, it's not that necessary that we did work directly with them. I mean, I guess you could say that, but they came to us um, and basically had a reverse pitch for us. So they basically reverse pitched us to, or the, I should say, uh, because it's not just any Nomicon. They came to any Nomicon because we're, you know, the group of the represent that represents supposed to represent the uh, local game developers. But really, right. the reverse pitch was for uh, all game developers to make games that can be played by folks with uh, differing motor abilities, or specifically uh, folks with cerebral palsy, which is uh, who most of the students at the Seco School are. Yeah, have cerebral palsy. Right. And mm. so Seco School locally uh, was actually, and I realized this was started by a couple of uh, Rollins alums uh, mm. because their son, it was a couple, their son has cerebral palsy. Mm. So that was pretty interesting because, again, it's another thing that I, I didn't consider. Um, you know, I'm very lucky in the sense that I have you know, full capacity and, you know, other than some eyesight issues, but I wear glasses for that. Mm. I can pretty much play video games. But for uh, somebody who might have accessibility issues mm-hmm. um, is going back and maybe reverse engineering a game, uh, maybe coming up with a game that is completely set up to be accessible. Uh, so the game that you developed for Seek, or at least one of the first games that you were involved with, yeah. how did that lay out and how did you uh, come up with that? And what were some of the challenges you faced? So, yeah, the challenges are basically to come up with some kind of uh, controller or input system that uh, is accessible that folks can use. And so there's all sorts of different, you know, uh, input methods we have, which is the most obvious one is just a controller. And that's what a lot of folks might have problems with because a lot of standard controllers, you know, have uh, kind of small buttons and they require uh, a lot of dexterity, a lot of finger dexterity. And, um, so you know, right off the bat, you, there are alternate controllers you can use, right. That might, uh, be simpler to operate. Um, but are still controllers in, in the essence that they have like a button or like a moving joystick or something. So we had, uh, we had actually a few different alternate controllers. There are, there are various, uh, you know, third party companies that, that make these different controllers for accessibility. So there is a movement in that respect too, to create new hardware. Uh, 
And some games allow you to map different buttons to different right, controls, so right. that might make it a little bit easier. Exactly. And so the uh, basically, you know, I'm, I'm about to list like all the different methods uh, or some of the different methods, I should say, of, of controller input. But that is the biggest challenge is finding something that works for everyone. And the truth is that there is nothing that works for everyone. So right. at the end of the day, you have to come up with uh, multiple ways of playing the game if you really want it to be accessible to everyone. So uh, or as many people as you can. And, um, so in the case of this game, mm -hmm. what you did was a, uh, it was more of a choose your own adventure type of game. Right. So for this game, we still ended up going with a, a typical control, one of the more typical control systems, which is a touch screen. So we're, it was a mobile designed for mobile. Uh, but what we did to make it as simple as possible, uh, is that there's no, you know, time requirement. So you don't have to, uh, you know, there's no, nothing making you go as quick as you can. You can do it at totally your own pace. And there's only two buttons to choose, and they basically take up one half of each side of the screen. So, uh, even and even that is not anywhere close to a perfect solution or even a great solution for everyone. Uh, it's just really that was our best uh, go at it with the uh, with the personnel that we had. Really, we had a programmer, you know, an audio guy, myself, and a writer working on that uh, working on that project. So it was sort of a two week, just yeah. uh, as fast as possible. Right. Right. What do you call that? A hack or something? Well, it was lines? it was part. We initially came up with it and built most of it during the game jam, which was a week after. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is actually just a weekend. And I so I say I say two weeks as kind of like a uh, kind of like an estimate of overall time because we worked on it. Uh, we just finished it about uh, three weeks ago now. So it was only it was about a month that we kept working on. It, but you know we we all have our own stuff going on, so Job, we, it wasn't like, like we were that, working yeah. on it full time. So it yeah. was, you guys just came up with it over the weekend uh, yep. and then just kind of tweaked it over the course of the next month. Right. Then. Basically, most of my work was actually just recording. Uh, I recorded the voice of the person who wrote the all the dialogue and then we like made it sound uh, like they're robotic and then I did all the sound effects. So the sound effects I thought were, were actually a very important part of the game because it's the, uh, besides the text that you see on screen, it was the only additional input so then that gets into again folks that can't see as well that text doesn't help them so that's why we needed definitely needed to have the dialogue actually playing so that you can actually hear the whole story and uh you know actually uh hear also what uh choices you have to make that's pretty cool and then the um the other thing that you could talk about in terms of input would be voice input but mm -hmm. for some people again that wouldn't work right exactly either. so voice input is another method um and yeah that's not perfect for for everyone either so, um, yeah, a lot of uh, games that are, so some of the other games that are, have been made for folks that are visually impaired or blind have voice input controls and that could work great for them. But, uh, yeah, if someone who can't necessarily um, articulate all the sounds that you need to, the precise sounds you need to be able to, to uh, c control something. Mm -hmm. uh, it depends, obviously, how complex the controls are. We were, because we were discussing, like, we could just have s certain sounds basic sounds that could trigger certain events. But again, yeah, you're just getting into, you're kind of playing a guessing game at that point. So yeah, again, that's a great method for uh, folks that might be visually impaired. And that's something I'm going to look into for the game you saw at Autronicon uh, in terms of an alternate uh, control system for that possibly. Yeah, right. Right. Um, let me t let me ask you this. So hmm. in, in taking a step back, when you, when you start developing a game, hmm. how do you 
uh, sort of sketch it out. So painting, you might have a rough sketch that you do a mm. website, which is what I'm familiar with in terms of electronic development. Mm. You have a wireframe, you have a site map, you have those sorts of things. Right. What does it look like to start the a game development? That's funny. So I can only speak from, because technically the, uh, the game that you saw at Chonicon is the first full game that I'm making on my own. So normally I'm just doing the audio. Um, so but, somebody comes to you, they already have the idea of right. what the game is going to be. Or in the case of the game jams, we're kind of working on it together. So I'm kind of like hearing the creative process along with them. And usually and, that's so fast, there's probably not a ton of sketching going on. Yeah, well, that's like, a, that's actually the first thing. That, so in, in a, any game jam, the first uh, night is usually spent without doing any actual uh like coding or anything like that it's usually just actually sketching and writing out like how everything yeah, so is, is gonna it, look. is it storyboard is it like how does that work exactly it's so it's such a different it's an yeah. interactive storytelling method mm -hmm. right so websites are very flat mm -hmm. uh movies in their own way are very flat because you don't you they're know, all change. linear yeah yeah. yeah yeah so how does it work for a video game it just it depends it depends on the game it complete because obviously uh you know we're saying that you know uh movies and uh film and tv and stuff that's all linear uh so it all kind of always it kind of had follows that same process but with a game yeah it's interactive so it's not linear but there's so many different kinds of games some games are linear like uh you know it's, uh the choose your own adventure is interactive yes but it's also it's linear in a sense it just has different linear paths you can take so um, it depends on the kind of game, like in, in the sense of the choose your own adventure, it was very much like storyboarding. It just, you just had to add those additional kind of uh, tracks you could take. Um, so I wouldn't say it's like, it's wholly different. Uh, you just have to think more of, uh, in like a kind of matrix kind of way, as opposed to, uh, just a straight linear way. And then what I'm usually doing for sound is I'm usually just, uh, I'm usually just trying to absorb the aesthetic that the folks are going for. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like tell me what what sounds you need and i'm also imp uh you know implying what sounds they need because that's the thing is uh honestly uh, audio is such an afterthought to most to game developers who aren't into audio or aren't specifically musicians themselves it's usually the last thought to them so sometimes you have to actually like propose like yeah, oh, this yeah, should yeah. have a sound uh you know this should this should give some feedback aud audible feedback you should we have something playing here you know you kind of have to like uh, advocate for yourself a little bit sometimes. Yeah, and it's so funny because the best games have such good audio. And mm -hmm. and again, I think what people think about if they are thinking about audio is the soundtrack, mm -hmm. right? Like I remember the first time I fired up Halo. Oh yeah. And that sort of that uh, Gregorian chant kind of thing came on, and it was like it, taken aback by it first of all because it's a first person shooter. Right. I mean, so for that to come up at first, and I don't know if they still probably the last time I played Halo, but um, I don't know if they still use something like that, but it was very, very compelling in terms of the mindset that it puts you in from the beginning. Oh, yeah. But the sound of the actual thing, mm -hmm. you know, with a, a game like, uh, what is it, Andromeda, they're making fun of the facial movements yeah. <laughs> as far as the talking and stuff goes. It costs right. $40 million and everyone mm -hmm. looks like, uh, you know, it's Uncanny Valley times 10. Right. Uh, but, you know, you still have the the dialogue. You still have the sounds. You still mm -hmm. have everything else that's associated with it. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and it, that's funny that, you know, people are probably making fun of the faces and stuff, but the sound is great and they're still playing it. And the reason they're still playing it is because you, you'll consume something with bad visuals way before you'll consume something with bad audio. And that's just like or bad true. story, yeah, bad yeah, yeah. Story, yeah. And uh, like you can watch a video with grainy video, and if the audio is is pretty good, you'll probably sit through it and watch it because you can, you know, figure out what's anything you can't decipher 
through the grainy video, you can probably figure out through the context right. of the audio, but you can reverse it and make a good video and have just tor terribly distorted audio and people are probably going to stop watching oh, after yeah. a while. Yeah. I think of that in terms of uh, old cartoons in many mm -hmm. cases, like uh, Batman, the animated series is one of my favorites of all time. But now looking at it, going back and looking at it, the animation is terrible. <laughs> like it's hard to watch right. for me. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. All right, well, let's leave it there. We're going to come back, uh, assuming that the music is working, uh, and we're going to play a quick song, and then we will uh, come back with a pop culture and uh, current event quiz for you. All right. So I'm going to score that very harshly, <laughs> okay. so I want you to be prepared for that. Uh, let's play a little They Might Be Giants, again, uh, inspired by video game, uh, uh, video games in general. This is All Sync Manhattan, so I would imagine this is a one of the big bosses, one of the bad guys in one of the All games. Right talking about it so they might be giants you're listening to a certain degree on wprk winter park florida and maybe we'll just go right into the pop culture adult quiz <laughs> adult quiz pop culture <laughs> current event quiz when the music doesn't play i get a little flushed <laughs> so thank you for being flexible brian no problem and so okay there was a big announcement and shift in dinosaur related news this week so okay. I don't know if you heard about this. I did not hear. Great. This. That makes it a lot better. According to an article in the journal Nature, scientists found that the future theme park animals, because that's where we're going with dinosaurs. Right. Uh, originated in what is now what country? So is it A, Britain, hmm. B, Antarctica, or C, Dollywood? So dinosaurs originated. They yeah. didn't expect them to originate here, but it turns out that they did, according to a new paper in the journal Nature. Would it be Antarctica? Uh, it wasn't. It was actually Great Britain. Great Britain. Yeah. So what is now the UK? Uh, huh. And it's big news in the paleontology world. Right. It doesn't really affect you or I in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. But it means that dinosaurs were probably around uh, about 15 million uh, years earlier than originally thought. Wow. And T-Rex might be part of a different family altogether. So there was a whole bird family versus the lizard family. Right. It looks like... Because birds be and lizards came... Both, both came from dinosaurs, right? Yeah, as far yeah. as I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know right. that stuff. Uh, but it, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, all these things keep going wrong. This might be why. Right. They're older than they thought. And huh. so... 15 million years wily, older. Yeah. More, a little more wily than they thought. Something along those lines. More wily than they thought. Like more, just, what does that mean? Like smarter. Oh. Like if they were around 50, and they're from yeah. Great Britain. Which I just assume makes people smarter because well, the accent. <laughs> that is, I mean, people don't give, uh, I feel like people don't give reptiles enough credit for how smart they are. And birds either, I guess. Right. I feel like they don't get enough credit for how smart they are. All right. Uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Did you see it? Yes, I did. Okay. So let's just go ahead and put it out there. Okay. Spoiler alert. We're going right. to talk about the ending. Okay. So if you have not seen it yet and, I, and you <laughs> somehow have avoided the ending, uh, please stop uh, listening to us right now, which is probably something you should never say about the radio. So some stories came out recently about some of the endings that were considered, okay. uh, but ultimately changed. So they had this ending, which made a lot more sense. And so which one was uh, not one of the original alternative endings that they discussed? Okay, which one was not one of them? Not one of them. Okay, so there was a version A, the happy ending. After Jin and Cassian stole the Death Star plans, they run across the beach, get on a ship, meet up with Leia, and then they escape pod out of there. Okay. So they're still alive. Right. Leia gets the plans as usual, and they go on. Uh, the Moon of Endor ending. Okay. Okay. So this is option letter B. Uh, there's a post credit scene. So okay. same ending, but there's a post credit scene. Uh, Jin and Cassian wake up in a forest. 
And right before the screen, they're like, oh, where are we? Mm. Right before the screen goes to black, we hear the faint sounds of the original Ewok celebration song. Hmm. Or C, the Frozen ending. They're on the ship being chased by Vader. Okay. So they in this version, they get to a ship. Right. Vader's chasing them. They get to Coruscant. Okay. And they transmit the plans to Leia. Mm-hmm. And before Vader catches up with them, they're afraid that they're going to get caught. They're, Vader's going to torture them, and he's going to find out that the you know the plans got to Leia. Right. They blow their own ship up. Oh. But before doing that, they freeze themselves in carbonite. So they wow. can survive later hmm. on. Okay, so which one was not one they discussed? Okay, well, dang, this is a really tough question, actually, because <laughs> part of me wants to say that the only one they did not discuss was the happy ending, the the A, but I really want to believe that they did not consider B. I really want to believe that B was never on the table. So I'm going to say woke up on that they just woke up on Endor and then the Ewok music started playing. I'm going to go with B. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, so that's they good. did have a happy version. Okay. But basically any version where they survive, but they're not in any of the future episodes made it a problem. Right. So obviously. Okay. Uh, so last question for now. Uh, locally, okay. Orlando is hosting big sporting event this weekend, WrestleMania 33. All right. What match are you most looking forward to? Is it A? Oh, no, I'm going to give you some options. If you already have one, I'm very impressed. Uh, But is it The Undertaker versus Roman Reigns? So basically, The Undertaker at this point Mm -hmm. is made out of papier mache. Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. Again, not really sure why that's happening, but for the WWE Universal Championship. Mm -hmm. Or the 2017 Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale. Wow, I actually did not hear about the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royale. I really am a big fan of Andre the Giant, so that is exciting. However, I really would like to see... So is it not even on that list? It's Wait, it's not on the list? It's, no, no, no. Is okay. there one that you're no, looking no, forward to no. that's not on that list? I'm not that big of a wrestling fan <laughs> to where I know all the other ones. But I have to say, I, I because I'm an MMA fan, uh, I would like to see Brock Lesnar get beat up, even though it's not going to be as good if he got beat up in an MMA match. It still would be nice to see him uh, yeah. get maybe beat up in the wrestling match. So because of the uh, there's some controversy around that guy. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm not even so concerned about the maybe the the uh, performance dancing drug controversy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just think that he's not a uh, you know very good example of a martial arts kind of a bully. Like his last fight with uh, with Mark Hunt, I don't know. I just he just laid on, beat him up, and he's just like and yeah, they're heavyweights, and so it's like they're both really big guys. But he's just he's just a freak. Big, you know, like he's, oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it was just kind of sad to see Mark Hunt get beat up in that method. You know, it wasn't very. I guess it, it's 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 it was totally you know by the rules. So I can't say it's not sportsman, but, but it no, kind of you feel there's like there's no it. nuance to it, right? It's yeah, just two guys really just beating right. each other. I mean, up, it, specifically Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and it, I guess I'm just sad because it it just wasn't a very good display of skill, just a display of how monstrously strong he is. So I would like to see him get beat up by. Uh, Goldberg, if if he can. Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we have that one. So uh, Goldberg, uh, who's pushing sixty years old, I think, uh, should be interesting. Okay. So yeah. that's coming up, and that's at the uh, Camping Stadium, Camping World Stadium. Uh, so very big event. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not be uh, there for yeah. whatever reason. So let's try this again. Let's play. They might be giants, and then we're going to have some commercials. We're going to come back. Uh, with another song, do bad business ideas, talk a little bit more about game development, sound development. I want to get into that. Your college background, you're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. 
Hot, Hot Heat on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Good Night, Good Night. And before the break, we heard from They Might Be Giants with, if I would imagine John and John from They Might Be Giants were uh, bad guys in a video game, that might be a song that they would play. It's called I'll Sink Manhattan. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. We're in the second hour already, wow. and time is flying by. I'm here with Brian Luft, a local game developer and... Uh, you know, I think hitting on all three of the things that I would normally not have a guest do, which is one, you're taller than me, <laughs> two, you're younger than me, and by far way better looking. So uh, we'll put a picture it. up and uh, uh, showcase that here in a second. So uh, Brian is here. He's a local game developer. He's working on a game that is, uh, you know, basically a very audio driven mm. for people with visual disabilities, uh, visual impairments. Uh, that they can play. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. We're going to go into that a little more detail. The music for today, though, uh, not only inspired by or the thought of video games, but also Queen. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to talk about Queen here in the next break. Seems like we had very similar exposures to Queen, like mm -hmm. this sort of, oh my gosh, how does a band like this even exist? They're amazing. Yep. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, the top of the hour, we do this every week is time for bad business ideas. All right. So Brian, just as a reminder, uh, and get right up on that mic. So oh, you yeah, can sorry. hear, yeah, I, I want you to, I, I want you to give me some good feedback on what are a couple of really, really terrible business ideas, because okay. what I want you to do is improve on them. Okay. <laughs> for a number of different reasons, because I feel like, you know, they're sound related. So I think now, I'm always trying to come up with schemes. So I might have to take some of these. Per, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think you understand what you have to do by being a guest on the show is yeah. choose one. Okay. And then actually go and run with it. Gotcha. Okay. So I understand, you know, developing video games and, you know, we're talking about, you might be potentially moving here in the next few months. Mm. Uh, that's all great. But you should have enough time to also start a new business as well. Definitely. Especially ones that are uh, relatively controversial and ethically challenged as a good bad business idea is. All right, Brian, may I call you Brian? Yeah, no problem. Great. You've been doing some trade shows uh, or trade-like shows, Otronicon. Mm. You volunteer for Indianomicon. Mm. Uh, you have to get out there and get your name out there. And so one of the ways the companies do this is with the promotional items. Right. So you've got pens, you've got, you know, the cloths for cleaning glasses, you've got keychains, mm -hmm. USB and lightning cord adapters, you name it, you can get it made cheaply and put a logo on it. Right. Right. Now, one of my favorite for trade show and other event giveaways is the squeeze toy. Love them. I would go the squeeze to, toy. Yeah. You know, the little. It's like a squeak toy. Uh, like no, a, no. Like an actual a, a stress, stress ball, ball or oh, something along okay. those lines. But I like the ones that are shaped like animals, vegetables or minerals. Right. Like I don't just want the ball. I yeah. want it shaped like something else. Well, I love it's also them. like a little figurine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a collectible. Everybody loves them. Let me ask you this. So you're looking at one right there. Mm -hmm. It's a cow. Can we improve on that? Can you improve on this adorable, squishy cow? Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. Yes. That's, that's, oh, the, answer yes, yes. the answer is yes. So we're going to start a company. Right. The first option mm. for you today on your bad business idea menu right. is 4D tchotchke. So we're going to add to this experience because it just squeezes right now. It's right. cute. You can put it up there. Uh, but it's basically just 3D right now. Mm -hmm. Right? All three dimensions. But it's not 4D. I mean, technically time is passing, so that's kind of 4D. Right. But the 4D I'm talking about is sound. Okay. Right. So what you have is a cow squeeze toy. It's a promotional item for a chain of steak restaurants. We're not right. going to name the name, but that's what it is. Squeeze it. Squeeze yeah. it next to the mic. Okay. And nothing happens, yeah, right? no sound. Silence. At first, I thought maybe a moo, 
maybe some milk squirting out, but that gets a little complicated and, and fairly weird, but it's not on brand, right? This is a steak restaurant. Right. So when you squeeze it, what sound should it be making? <sighs> and is this a multiple choice here? Or am I, no, I'm, no. I'm giving you the, okay. It, should, it should sizzle. It's just, I was right? going to suggest it should sizzle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe we get into 5D and there's a smell component with it oh too. Oh my goodness. Makes you hungry for steak. Uh, so that's the idea behind 4D tchotchke. And so think about uh, an airline that might have airplane squeeze toys. Okay. You squeeze it. It makes the sound of people that are super happy about having to pay for their checked luggage. Right. right? <laughs> a hammer, a squeezy hammer. Okay. For, uh, let's say, a hot tub installation company mm. that makes the sound of bubbles and maybe people getting a little weird in a hot tub. Because that would happen. <laughs> right. Uh, squeeze toy house for a realtor. It makes the sound, you know, uh, what I want it to make the sound of is okay. a really terrible landlord. Oh, okay. Because then you're like, oh, I don't want to rent anymore. Right, I need to buy so a house. it's subtle. It's like. Ah, it's that's a like good one, yeah. subtle. It's, it's sound design. It's yeah. all of those things. Your maybe there's going a, up. There's a brain. Like oh, a okay. squeezy brain. So that's a zombie prevention, you know, firm of some kind. So we talked about zombies earlier. Right, on. right. So you have so many options. Yeah, there's a lot. And maybe it makes like, you know, zombie sounds or something like that. Right. Uh, so that's 4D tchotchke. <laughs> so do you have any questions regarding that or do you have any suggestions off the top of your head? Hmm. The only suggestion I have to have is that you would at least the one qualm I have with any of these like cards or sound toys is yep. that they just have the one sample. And I feel like you need at least three. This is a video game audio guy me saying. I feel like you need at least three samples to randomize between. Okay. And uh, they all should be like the same kind of sound, right? So if it's like the, uh, what was the one example? The the renter, uh, the landlord, yeah, the uh, landlord coming down on you. Um, oh, yeah. They you have, have at least a few things. different variations of yeah. that. Yeah. You know, we could even look at it down the line of uh, programming it so that it's Wi-Fi compatible so that we can tell it when to make certain sounds. There you go. And we could even feed in certain sounds. Right. Uh, maybe have a camera in it so we can spy on people. Oh, I mean, that's down the road. Right. Right. I, all of those are great ideas, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Hold your horses because we still have a second bad business idea. All right. You're just running with it already. I love it. Okay. Brian, I had to buy some new pants recently. Okay. Uh, so holiday gift cards, that sort of thing. And, you know, I think I, I always realize this, but this specific time, the pants at the store, when you're trying them on, yeah. look completely different than when you get them home. Okay. Right? Has this happened to you? Uh, I've had, you know, I, I have to say that I've had previous bad luck, like all the same bad pants luck, but this has recently changed for me. And I'm about to sound, I'm about to sound like a, like a shill here, but I got these American Eagle flex pants and they got like 2% Spanix in them. And so now I've just, I never have any pants problems anymore. Okay. Well, I'll have to look at that, but there is a little bit of a controversy. I did some research yeah. around changing room mirrors. Okay. Right. Like they actually engineer it. So you look better in the changing room. There was a, an article recently, a woman went into different changing rooms. So she tried on the same outfit at home or she photographed herself at home in front of mirror mm -hmm. versus at different other uh, uh, stores okay. in front of mirrors in their changing rooms and completely adjusted with lighting, uh, the bend of the mirror and more to make you look better in those particular clothes. Right. Does this go too far? Huh? I mean, no, the okay. answer is no. Uh, but so what I was thinking about is clothes is taken care of. Okay. So why don't we apply it to furniture? There aren't any mirrors in Ikea. 
right? Like right. other than ones you can buy. Okay. Because they set up everything to look really nice. You're looking at the room, you're looking at the couch. Right. You're looking for the feel, the comfort, and mm-hmm. maybe the longevity of the furniture. You're yeah. not necessarily looking or emphasizing how you look in the chair. Right. Like that's not necessarily on your mind. Right. What's more important? How you how it how feels. You feel, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Until now, Brian. Okay. We're going to start a company called Musical Chairs. Okay. This is idea number two. All right. Uh, and this is going to tie into your area of expertise beautifully. I feel like you're, I know what you're about to propose, and I think it's a great idea, but please go ahead. Okay, tell me <laughs> this is the same idea that you're having. Person walks into a furniture store. Yeah. Our system immediately kicks in. We have speakers set up yeah. all over Everywhere. the place. Yeah. Mm. And so now what we're doing is leading them down a path to a particular couch, chair, whatever it is that the store wants to sell that day. Right. And so if they start to veer the direction we don't want them to go, the music <laughs> that's targeting them is a little more dissonant. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it starts to crest maybe as they start to go towards the piece that we want them to buy. We're basically aiming right. people with music. Okay. Uh, and so they get closer to where we want them to go. And then you get sort of this crescendo building. Right. They sit in the chair. It may not even be comfortable. We don't care. Right, right. But we want to sell it to them. Yeah. So they sit down and this crescendo comes up. Yeah. Mirrors light up and they actually see themselves in the chair as the music comes to a head. Right. So emotionally, viscerally, spiritually, they're now attached to to this chair, to this couch, whatever it is. Yeah. That is pretty much what I was thinking you were going to say. I didn't okay. know that the mirrors were also going to be an element. That's well, good so touch. I, I like the mirrors uh, because, and you don't notice the mirrors. They actually light up. They're yeah. tied to the music in terms of right. where the crescendo is. That's funny. It's just funny because I told you earlier that I like schemes, and this was actually very close to one of my schemes. That I, was I, I was thinking this would be a good rich, get-rich-quick scheme is yeah. you just get a few big brands involved with something like this, and then uh, you set up an audio system for their store, and then you, you, you know, collect a big check, and then you're, you're set... That was my that was my uh, my get rich quick uh, retire scheme that I was thinking of. Right. So I think we should do this together. Yeah. I okay. Think, so uh, musical chairs. Musical chair. Yeah. The, the, it's funny though that you have the added idea of like steering them away from certain things. I was thinking all good, like all buy, buy so everything. All, right. <laughs> but kidding. eventually you want to push. Yeah. You know, I've got. Right. It's almost like going to the restaurant and the you know they're they're in the back and the manager's telling them, push the salmon tonight. We got to yeah, get yeah. rid of that. That's exactly what this is. Now, this is not entirely new, unfortunately. Oh, no, it's not. It is targeting uh, uh, interactive kind of music systems in some big department stores. Yeah, I think this is the most ethically challenged, though. Obviously, (laughs) we're doing stuff that is a little bit uh, conspicuous, a little bit manipulative. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, right in that reach of uh, or that mix of subliminal slash, you know, really ethically... um, questionable yeah <laughs> which is the hallmark of a bad business idea. oh absolutely i mean also the probably the hallmark of any get rich quick <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly okay so good you're on board for musical chairs uh sorry tchotchkes you're just gonna have to keep not making sound for now yeah we'll figure that out later well thank you very much for that so we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about uh queen and how you got into music and sound design so it's interesting to mm-hmm. hear how uh, and we'll share that story that uh you know music listening to music got you into wanting to be a composer and got you into sound design and composing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is a song we'll hear from Queen in a minute. Uh, These are, this is a song that I think Freddie Mercury would like. Mm -hmm. So this was recorded well after his death. I think it was influenced by the music of Queen. Uh, This is a band called Stella Star uh, with Mike Coco. And you're going to hear that. uh, You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I think you would. I think Freddie Mercury would like that song. Definitely. 
You're listening to a certain degree. That was my Coco by Stella Star on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Brian Luft. Good morning again, Brian. Good morning again. Thanks for being here. So uh, let's let's dive right into Queen. Uh, so Brian is here, composer and sound designer, mm. or sound designer and composer, depending yes. on who you're talking to right. and, and what you might be trying to talk to them about. Um, but you had an interesting story. I think um, Queen is my favorite band. And I told you a little bit about my story mm -hmm. about how I got into them, but you have a pretty interesting story as well. And we'll hear from Queen here in a second. Yeah. But uh, you, it was the first time you really, you know, kind of realized that music was something, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I grew up, I, you can't not be exposed to music. And, uh, you know, I kind of just grew up listening to whatever my parents threw on the radio, which was like 50s or 60s kind of easy listening or pop stuff. Uh, I remember being a fan of Frankie Valley early on, mm -hmm. uh, but as I, we all are, yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, but it never really like clicked with me like as a serious art form because I was always into art. I was always drawing and uh, uh, painting. Um, but, so that was sort of your creative outlet. Yeah, first, yeah, exactly. It was, and it, even but even then, it was directed towards video games. So I was drawing video game characters for the most part, like trying to draw my come up with my own characters uh, for my own you know huge games that I was coming up with when I was you know in middle school and whatnot. Yeah, it wasn't until I was older, probably like 14 or so, that I heard Queen. And I remember it's so funny, too, because it's the most cliche song. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. And I heard Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, it just blew me away. I was like, holy crap, I've never heard uh, anything like this. And I just couldn't believe that, you know, any one person or any group of people could make something. So it sounds so corny, but I thought it was, like, so beautiful. And uh, then I later found out that that's like one of the most celebrated songs of all time. Like, and I found out this after the fact. So then, you know, of course I was like, oh, geez, like this is, I'm not even, you know, like I totally just had the same feeling that so many people, uh, have had listening to that song, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, it exposed me to the rest of their music and, uh, you know, all their music is great. And, you know, story, uh, you know, hearing about Freddie Mercury's story and, you know, he was already, he had already passed by the time I had even heard, you got into him. Uh, yeah, yeah. heard them. But then I found, you know, I, I bought the, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert DVD and, you mm -hmm. know, watched that. And that was like, you know, that was, that had happened already too, like years ago, but it was like hugely, still hugely emotional for me just because of the connection I had made for, with, uh, with that band. Yeah. Well, a very influential band, uh, mm -hmm. and one of the bands we'll hear from after the Queen song is Wolf Mother, and this is you'll almost hear it. Like, yes, this is, I know Wolf Mother specifically is, is very. This is in them, yeah. right? It's in their DNA. So what what I thought was interesting about your story is that that got you thinking about not so much drawing anymore, but now about composing, right? Uh, music, mm -hmm. even though you didn't play an instrument, right? <laughs> so you learned a lot of how did you go about it? I mean, you didn't necessarily pick anything up, but you went into the theory of music first. Yeah, well, so once I had that, it was like one of those, you know, like silly kind of realization, epiphanal moments or whatever. Yeah. That next Christmas, I asked for a keyboard, so I did get a keyboard, but. Uh, and you know, I, at the time I was like, oh yeah, I'll be, I'll become a decent, uh, musician. But I, but, for, uh, as I've already told Nick for everyone listening, yeah, I'm not a good musician at all. Uh, still, I'm not a good musician. I can learn something if I try to, you know, really put my head down and, and, and learn it. I can like figure it out and then kind of hammer it out, uh, poorly. But, um, but yeah, uh, I got a keyboard, but I, but before I got the keyboard, I actually got exposed to notation software. Which actually at the time, it, actually at the time, I think it wasn't even really notation software. I think it was just tablature software, which is okay. for guitar players. Uh, and it was called Power Tabs. But then I soon found one that had notation and tabs. So I was able to then see, you know, the actual musical notation as well as like the guitar tab version of that. 
And yeah, and then also you can you, it, that program like let you see the keyboard. So then I was able to just be playing along on my keyboard. I would just come up with melodies and then transpose that into the notation software and then build a chord structure around that. And that's how I just kind of started slowly learning about um, you know music theory. But I, at the time, to me, I wouldn't even have been able to tell you I was learning music theory. It wasn't until I actually went to uh, college and then actually learned at some actual formal music theory class that I was able to actually put up words to some of the stuff that it's I, I yeah. kind of picked up on. And uh, and then from there, yeah, I, I would say that having the formal education definitely helped a lot too. But I've always just kind of, uh, yeah, just like re use that notation software to actually also just like reverse engineer and look at what some of my favorite songs are doing musically, just so you can kind of see what's happening there. And then you have those like, okay, I can do this kind of chord movement and this would hopefully, you know, give off this kind of emotion and that kind of idea. Yeah. So your shift came uh, and you realized you wanted to be a composer. Was it still, you were talking about drawing and that being very video game. Yeah, heavy. it was still very video game. It was like yeah. always with the idea of like uh, uh, from a video game kind of perspective. And I was also always making like loops too because I was aware that you had to have your music be looping a lot of times for it to function within the context of a game. Right, because you don't yeah. want to come out with a 18-minute version of a song in case that's how long it took somebody to reach right. a level. You wanted something that... Mm. And there was limitations on how much uh, yeah. uh, room the audio could take up and mm. things of that nature. I've always also been strangely fascinated by loops that you can like listen to endlessly. Yeah. Like A lot of video games have those famous pieces that we can just kind of listen to for a really long time. But up, up, but up, up. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> and so... Okay, so then how did you get from there to sound design? Because those are not necessarily, uh, you know, I would imagine, I don't want to, you know, say that composers typically think of themselves as composers only, mm -hmm. uh, but there, you know, I would imagine there's kind of a separation, a little bit of church and state when it comes to video games. Yeah, there is uh, somewhat of a separation. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I got into sound design because I just saw, though, that there was um, a lot of benefit as a composer to trying to be a sound designer as well, because like you can so um, finding work, basically. right? Just finding yeah. work, but also just, uh, just like it could just having more of a focus on, uh, you know, being a sound designer can improve your music because then you can actually have, uh, more control over the kind of samples that you're using for your own music. Right. If you're, if you're trying to actually learn how to produce and synthesize a, a specific sound using a synthesizer, then you're have more knowledge in how to make your music sound, exactly oh, the way okay. that you would want to so there's a lot like i was saying kind of earlier when we were talking there's a ton of people out there that are composers for video and who want to get their music into video games and they're and there's so many talented like i listen to so many of my peers and i'm like you're so good at you know writing music um but yeah they're not trying to get themselves out there as sound designers and i think that that is something that a lot of them could do and also it could improve their music because at the end of the day i listen to their songs and I'm, i'll be like yeah you're an amazingly talented composer but also you're uh you know this this the instruments they're using are all the same sense that everyone else is using as well too so you're right. still you, you know there's there's something that you can learn too from just trying to be more of a sound designer and taking it in that direction too. especially since a lot of them are also like trying to really focus on getting their music and games specifically well would you i mean would you say that the the if you're tied together with the sound design and the composition uh yeah. that it makes for a more complimentary just overall audio experience i would say so and that's the that's what i would I hope would that i could that, yeah. bring to to anyone like specific uh, especially if it's just like an indie team where i can be you know working on the sound basically myself um 
yeah, I would I would hope that uh, that's what I'm able to bring as a sound designer and a composer is like a, a continuity between the, those two. Yeah, yeah. And so, so sound design does not include necessarily all of the sounds in a game, or just what does that cover? Because I'm thinking, you know, right. the, for radio and for uh, movies, it's the foley artist. Yeah, well, right? that would cover all the foley, but it would it would cover just about basically everything. It's kind of a nebulous term, but it would it would it could more or less cover everything that's not music. Got it. Yeah. And is it something, it, it sounds like from our conversation earlier and then just thinking about it, it might be something that is given kind of short shrift in terms of, that's the last thing I think about. So I want right. to design the game. I want to design the visuals. Mm -hmm. I want it, the music is really important. Yeah. But what it sounds like when somebody hops or what it sounds like when somebody picks something up or, right. you know, I was walking down a hallway mm -hmm. um, isn't necessarily as emphasized. Right. I would just say that it's usually uh, the last thought in most development. Again, it depends on who the developer is because a lot of times, you know, you have programmers who are musicians as well. And, okay, and they're, thinking and they're about kind it of too, thinking yeah. about sound. So it depends on the background of the person producing the game. But a lot of times, you know, when they don't have an audio background, then yeah, it's, it's a lot of times almost always like the last thought is, uh, is the sound effects. Yeah. And then it's usually a lot of times it's just like, let's get something working. It's not necessarily uh, right, right, right. And it's upsetting as a sound designer because they put some because you see some teams that will put a lot of so much effort into the the aesthetic of their game, but then it just falls apart audio wise. And and you know, in my opinion. So then the game you're working on, uh, going back to, and if you missed the earlier part of the conversation, you're working on a game yeah. that will be uh, as enjoyable for somebody who's visually impaired as somebody who is not. Uh, so very audio heavy. Mm -hmm. So then from a design standpoint, are you starting with the audio? Uh, it, because you said it was it was basically uh, based on a, a first-person shooter sort mm -hmm. of template. Yeah. So you're walking around. Potentially, I would imagine you're going to be looking for things mm -hmm. or uh, doing that sort of thing. Are you starting with the audio? Are you reversing the the uh, almost the way that it's being produced entirely? Which is um, very ambitious. Yeah. So with that, actually, I, I can't say that I did start with the actual audio design. I started with actually the technical aspects of getting the game working. So um, like uh, I think I did mention this on earlier that I'm not a programmer. So mm. I um, so that was so actually you wanted to make sure you could even develop yeah. a game first. Yeah. And the, the so it's still very ambitious. Right. And so I used the first person template so I didn't have to set up how the the like the actual player character the first person player character functions uh the only thing i added to that is that they can also move up and down because i wanted it to be true 3d not just you know stuck on a floor because you're swimming as an underwater game so i wanted you to have the have that ability to also move up and down mm -hmm. so i added that which was not tough but then the only the really tough part that's that for me anyway was actually creating the uh the few actual interactions besides just moving around the level, which is the little, and uh, what I call, and the actual naming of the game is the, the your buddies, which are your fellow tenants in this underwater housing complex that you're in, and they're just spaced throughout the 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 maze, the audio maze as it is, the the uh, complex, and they're there to guide you. So they're spaced throughout the level so that you can hear them and go towards them, and then once you get towards them. And once you get close enough to them, they become activated in a sense, and just meaning like, oh, you you've you've met each other now, like you've come, yeah. came into contact, and now your buddy is now going to follow you, and the the buddy orients itself to you at a in a specific uh, position uh, relative to you. So, um, for instance, you have a north buddy, and the north buddy will always be north of you, 
And so that's another way that's trying to help guide you is that this is that you can actually kind of hopefully orient yourself based upon the sound of that buddy. So each buddy will have a different sound, a unique mm -hmm. sound. So there'll be a unique character and they'll be in a unique position relative to the player so that you can kind of orient yourself based upon the players around you. And they're also guiding you through the level just by being placed throughout the level before you make contact with them. Gotcha. Yeah, so, and then that was the toughest part was getting them to, like, getting that script to work to, that basically says, hey, when you get close enough, uh, orient yourself to this position based on the player. And then the other problem with that is since I have walls, is that, and this is like, this is kind of like an AI system, but it's not true AI because I'm not, again, I'm not a good programmer, so I'm, like, faking this. I'm just having it, like, update its position constantly. And that's not going to work with the walls because it has no reason to avoid a wall. So I had to, like, make this uh, trigger system that updates the three vector parameters of each of the little buddies independently so that they can avoid the walls. So it's like a very hacked kind of, uh, I'm actually proud of it because I feel like it works pretty good considering right, right. how, uh, you know, kind of backwards it might be for someone who's actually a good programmer or someone who actually has experience with AI behavior in particular. They probably set up something much more sophisticated, but it's working in the sense that they're avoiding the walls and that they're keeping their orientation to you, which is, uh, all that I have to do. So the one thing about the audio only game is that it actually frees you, it frees someone up for someone like me to actually actually be able to make the game because uh, a lot of the hardest parts of this would be the creating visuals. the animations. Yeah. yeah. So like all these different sea creatures, as you can imagine, if they're if you're gonna see them, then there's a whole lot of stuff to that. There's animations for how they look when they're swimming in one spot, when they're swimming oh, yeah. in different directions. Well, and just in some of the games out there, you have entire teams dedicated to the animation of water. Yeah, exactly. Right? So what I'm going to try to do, you saw what you saw at Optronicons, you actually saw like, it looked like a shooter almost. Mm -hmm. And it was just like in a colorful room. And But that's all for testing. So I'm, I'm just hopefully just going to end up with something that's basically just a black screen with uh, the only visual element I think I'm adding and again this is just for like an aesthetic reason it's just for it's just like a particle effect that makes it look like you're deep underwater you know when you see the undersea documentaries and it's yeah, just like yeah, the yeah, dust yeah. stuff is just yeah falling in front of you so I think that's all I'm gonna all I'm gonna have visually but uh but yeah it, having to actually animate the different characters would be a huge undertaking but since I can animate them just through sound that's what I'm gonna do so that's the idea so then, are you backing into a story as well? I mean, is there going to be a story component to this? Did you already have that in mind? Or are you yeah. kind of starting with, what can I do? What are right. the limitations of what I can program? Yeah. How do I get there? Okay, I've proven this part, I've proven this part. Mm -hmm. And now you're coming up with a story, or did you have the story in mind the entire time? I kind of had an idea for the story in mind. That would be a... Because uh, when it came to the technical limitations, I wasn't positive that I could make those work at the time when I had the idea, but I was pretty sure that I could because it was simple enough. And uh, and so I just needed a story that basically just supported the context of get out of this area. And so the story is just basically like you're in an underwater housing complex with your under underwater creature buddies. And so it's very vague. None of this is going to be explicit. It's just kind of going to be implied that you need to get out of the complex because the it's situated by an underwater volcano and the underwater volcano is is uh erupting so you need to get out of the complex basically that's great and that's it's really interesting to hear uh, a little bit about how your your creative process happened mm. and this is something i'm curious about so we're going to hear from queen here in a second favorite band when i'm working mm. and especially when i'm hitting a roadblock or something 
I, I almost always have to have music in the background. Mm -hmm. But you're actually a sound engineer yeah. and you're sound developer and you're a composer. So what are you doing when you're trying to when you're trying to work? What are right. you listening to stuff? Do you have to take a moment, like let's say you get to a, a, a you know, essentially your version of writer's block? Mm -hmm. Do you have to step away from it for a few minutes and listen to something else? Like how does that work yeah. for your work process? And when you come up against a block, right, right. Well, uh, yeah, I actually don't listen to music at all. I feel like uh, kind of blasphemous when I say this, but uh, like as uh, I, uh, you know, music is so important to me. But I really do not listen to music hardly at all when I'm working. Oh, I can't. And, imagine uh, you can. Yeah. <laughs> And, but I do, I put on, uh, I just put on, I'll put on background noise. I like putting on just, uh, just shows on, I'll put on some Netflix show that I've seen a million times just as background noise. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Um, and then that's just a way for me to like, it, I just like having some kind of white noise playing. Like it, it becomes white noise, but you know, when you're not paying yep. attention to it. So I just like having some kind of white noise. And then I do whenever I, I'm like, if I just take a second and take my headphones off, I'll just tune into you know what's happening and that'll be a way for me to just reset but then I'm, I'm also thinking of the sound of it so that's why i kind of like playing media as opposed to just music because then you're uh, hearing there's music that, and then there's yeah. also all the sound design happening too so i just like to kind of hear what's happening there and um yeah so that's kind of and then yeah with my when i come when i come upon a big roadblock uh if it's a creative roadblock then those are always the toughest to deal with i wish i had a elegant answer for all the other creative people out there I, to be honest, I usually just uh, try to bullhead my way through it. Like, uh, you know, instead of just acknowledging that you're in a block and you can't do anything about it, which, you know, sometimes I do do, I'm not going to lie, but you throw up your hands yeah, and walk away. Walk away. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I just try to bullhead my way through it through, through non-creative means. So like a lot of times it's like a creative hangup. So I'll just try to do something that's, I don't have to be creative about, like just something to try to maybe get the, and then from there, the creative might like flow from that. So as an example, like if it were music that I was like, I'm trying to write a piece of music and I'm just totally having a block, I might just actually just uh, come up with something or not. I was about to say listen to something, but mm -hmm. really uh, like find the actual music for that, like the actual uh, score for that piece of music and then just start studying it. And then just not creative, just looking at what's kind of happening, just try to get some inspiration from just kind of maybe a few of the mo mo uh, movements that happen in that piece that I like. Oh, so just, you're looking at like the composition. Yeah, I'll things. look at the composition. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that's just a very, I mean, that's just objective. You're just looking at what it is and then maybe that'll just give you an idea for, oh, I'll do something kind of like this. And then, and then maybe you like the sound of that and then it gets you creatively going again. Yeah. So that's, that's a good idea. Of, yeah. yeah. Cause I think that, it, yeah, I think it's a very similar to sometimes when I'm writing, I'm either working on something for the show or something at work. Mm. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to go out and read, uh, literature or read something that's very famous or very good. Cause then I just feel like a more <laughs> of a, a bad writer or something right. along those lines. But if I go to a news site or something like that and I can just read through and just kind of turn my brain off for a second, and mm -hmm. you know, maybe get that lizard part of my brain yeah. uh, satisfied and, you know, kind of engaged that way, then the other part of the brain can, can work out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, very good. Well, let's listen to a couple of songs here. We've got Queen with Sweet Lady and Wolf Mother with Tails. Again, I think Wolf Mother, very influenced, especially this song uh, by Queen and some of the music that came out of you know, that sort of prog rock uh, uh, idea of the 70s. And then we're going to go into your college background and talk a little bit more about uh, the game. All right. And uh, we're almost done. I mean, it's, uh, let's see. Yeah, we're almost done. Brian, so good to have you here. Thanks for so much for having me. <laughs>
All right. So uh, you're listening to a certain degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. And to start us off, Queen with Sweet Lady off of A Night at the Opera. So kind of tying into our theme of video games, you know, tales. Um, obviously, we're talking about a lot of different types of storytelling, video games being one of them, interactive storytelling. And then Queen with Sweet Lady. That could be any number of the female protagonists that we have in video games, especially now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Samus, obviously, historically is, uh, is a big one, but you see a lot more now being developed. Uh, good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree, and we are pretty much done. My guest today has been Brian Luft. Brian, thank you again for coming out today. Glad to be here again. And so uh, Brian's here talking about game development, talking about developing games for the visually impaired, something he's working on. Uh, so if you missed anything... Uh, you want to learn more about Brian, some of the music that he's composed, uh, some of the stuff that he's done. I'm going to have uh, this interview and all of his links up on my site uh, probably, hopefully, fairly soon. But that's to a certain degree.com. Uh, T-O, a certain degree. It's very long and involved, <laughs> but it's to a certain degree.com, just like it should be uh, in terms of being long and very involved. So we're going to play some Andrew Bird, and then Ben is going to come up with Music of the World. But just a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Uh, before we left, specifically about college. Hmm. So what I think is interesting, if uh, you heard uh, the interview from earlier, you kind of got into music and you decided, okay, I, I you're composing and you're doing this stuff, but kind hmm. of on your own, you're self-taught right. uh, in high school. And uh, then you go to college and you learn a little bit more about it. So hmm. did you identify that you were going to go to Full Sail specifically because of their audio engineering and because of the programs they had there? You're like, this is where I need to go. Yeah, definitely. That was that was what happened when uh, in high school. I, and actually, uh, uh, if I can be completely honest, a part of it, too, was that I was severely uneducated in terms of what my actual uh, post public education options were, um, just because it was uh, I didn't have like a uh, like an older sibling example. And then they went to call oh, with gotcha, a yeah. process. And then also my. Uh, parents were pretty removed from it. Like my mom went to college, but it was years ago in Youngstown, Ohio, you know, and she wasn't okay. familiar with the process at all. And then just, uh, uh, you know, when you told your guidance counselor that you wanted to compose for video games, they didn't know, you know, what your track should be, or at least my, my high school uh, counselor. Uh, yeah, didn't know. I'm going to go ahead and guess that not a lot of people will know, cause I wouldn't yeah. think to, to know exactly what you could do and how you could do it. But yeah, so that's right. pretty interesting. Yeah. And so then I went on a tour at full sale and, you know, I, at the time I was basically, my only real audio experience was, was, uh, uh, you know, composing as, in quotation marks, I should say, and uh, in a notation software. And uh, so I was using MIDI for that. And so I went on a, you know, I went to the tour for Full Sound. I saw all this awesome equipment. And then the one of the instructors was talking about MIDI. And I was like, oh, I know all about that. And so I was just like, this was, that was, uh, you know, when I thought that this was the place for me. And I, and I didn't have, uh, I, did, I really didn't have any uh, other idea in my head. So that was basically what I did. Uh, I went right to full sale, you know, after the right uh, out of high school, right, right out of high school. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, now that I, I know the kind of tracks, uh, that is not necessarily the track that I recommend for anyone who asks me. So if somebody yeah. wants to do this, they want to get into video games, specifically, uh, music, yeah. uh, specifically composing audio engineering, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would your recommendation be? Well, um, I would just, it, it depends on everyone's situation because obviously, sure. I mean, uh, it depends totally on what your financial situation is coming out of, uh, you know, some, if you, uh, have a, 
if you're a military person and you have a GI bill, then, you know, maybe the cost of the program isn't the thing that should worry you the most, mm-hmm. you know, so um, it, totally, it totally depends on everyone's situation. But a lot of folks coming out of school that wanted to get into game development or specifically want to get into uh, sound designers or composing, I, I, I tell them honestly to just uh, think about taking their community college route. And uh, especially if you're here in Orlando, Valencia, as everyone knows, is a brilliant school. And uh, Seminole State, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Really, any of the state colleges around here, Daytona, Lake County, all of that. Are excellent. And, uh, you know, usually they have uh, great audio departments. And that's not to say that they have necessarily the expertise or the same caliber of equipment that you're going to see at a Mm -hmm. place like Full Sail. Honestly, it's... I think it's perfectly adequate for what you're going to be learning in that time anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also the equipment that you're going to the, like the, you know, all the really great equipment, that's not something you're going to see when you start working anyway, right away. So, right. you know, it's, uh, so don't necessarily just let yourself be sold on that. And, uh, just from a financial perspective, that's going to be by far the cheapest way to go. If you go to a community college and then you can get, you know, you get uh what do you get? Guaranteed placement and, uh, uh, like a UCF or another a state university, right? right. So I, I pretty much tell people to kind of go the more standard route. It just doesn't seem like it, you can take the standard route because it seems like a more obscure kind of uh, um, thing to get into, but you totally can. Just take the regular kind of audio engineering programs that you would take. And then just really you have to do it on your own. You kind of have to educate yourself a lot about it because there are very few programs that are specifically dedicated to game audio and th- this is the one thing i will say for about full sale especially because i was working there as well is that our we do have a dedicated game audio team and we mm-hmm. were all very passionate about it. and we the education that you would learn about game audio going through even just even though it was only two months dedicated to it it was uh it's a very good two months a very strong two months uh, everyone who works in the game audio department is very very knowledgeable and very passionate about the subject so um that is a you know full sale is a good dedicated kind of uh if you if you want that short-term education on a very something very specific uh it is good in that respect but uh but still that's only if you're if game audio was your specific if you, you really that it's yeah, gonna be game audio so then it'd only like, be two months of it yeah uh, what i think is compelling about the uh state college route so you mm-hmm. go to valencia you go to seminole state or even regardless even if you don't go to college you yeah. don't have to go to college that was the other thing i was going to say is yeah you actually when it comes to game audio also is if you're and it comes to game development in general i should say uh, as a whole is uh if you're super passionate about it and you're the kind of person that can google things and educate yourself then you can get all the education you need uh if you have an internet connection honestly yeah it's really at that point and the other thing that is really uh kind of uh I'm almost kind of saying I'm like proud to be in the game development community from for this one perspective, which is that a lot of the tools are now free. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, the engine I'm making my game with, Unreal Engine Four, is totally free to use. Unity, uh, you know, the next are probably it's probably actually bigger than UE Four among indie developers, but free to use as well. Um, the audio middleware that I'm using to actually power all the audio implementation. Uh, wise is free to use you know uh, unless you start to get into commercial then there's like licensing but that's with all these uh things but they're very accessible especially compared to a few years ago they're not nearly as accessible as they are but um um it's becoming more and more open and yeah if you if you can uh if you have an internet connection and you have an email address and you can uh you can download ue4 
and you can you basically start making some yeah. games. Yeah, right away. So what I think the other part of it is is having a peer group, right? Like mm -hmm. the the intention of going to college, and the you know one of the benefits of it is you get sort of this peer group of people who maybe on the instructing side mm -hmm. know their stuff. Uh, you know the other students who may be at different varying levels of expertise when it comes to that. I think where you can address that is with a group like Indianomicon. Definitely. And yeah. so making sure that you're not just relying on who you're going to meet at college, you have to actually go out there. Mm -hmm. And just like in any group, you might meet some people who are not very helpful. Yeah. Um, what I think you will meet is if you keep going out and meeting people, mm -hmm. you keep going out and networking and asking questions, even if you think they're the dumbest questions, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to meet people who are helpful. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're going to meet people who can uh, connect you with maybe uh, a resource that mm -hmm. you didn't know about that maybe will mentor you on some level and may yeah. not be, you know, fully like apprenticeship or anything like that, mm -hmm. but at least tell you, okay, yeah, did you consider this? Have you thought about that? Have right, you, right. oh, here's a, you know, Unreal Engine 4, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm now going to go out and download and try to create my own. Yeah. And you game. can use it for all sorts of stuff too. <laughs> like uh, uh, architects are starting to get more into because it's, it could be, it's technically could be used as like basically a CAD software. But it's it's free, so that's, oh, do a little fly through of uh, yeah, a little yeah. visualization of the of their architecture piece. So yeah. yeah, the other thing I was gonna mention also in terms of again like kind of uh, free or freeish education is uh, is just uh, or people who just want to get more into game design on their own is just participating in every game jam that you can. So I say freeish because some game jams have like an entry fee. Uh, it's usually uh, pretty reasonable though, and it's uh, and it's uh, for the whole weekend. Usually covers like food for the weekend. And it's just a great opportunity because you usually uh, end up with a game after a weekend. So even yeah. if it's uh, even if it's something small or something that's hardly working, you know, you still after you know forty eight hours, you have a game that you worked on. Uh, that's uh, you've done something. You've got yeah. more experience. It's sort of a resume booster, and exactly. you know a little bit more for the next time. Yeah, and also so many so many great games come out of game jams. So it's like yeah. you could it, it could be like a lottery kind of situation. It could be. Also, yeah, if you're thinking of going, to, if you're still in, uh, you know, high school or middle school and you're thinking of going into game development, then I would say do as many game jams as you can before you go. Because then, I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, I saw like a 13-year-old there who, he told me it was like his sixth game jam or something. And he had already had like three commercially released games that came from these <laughs> game jams. So this guy's like already building his like nest egg his, and he's like yeah. 13. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. We got to get uh, out of here. So Brian with Music of the World is coming up. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you I'm so sorry, much. I'm sorry, Ben with Music of the World is coming up. Brian has been my guest today. You're listening to a certain degree, to a certain degree.com. And you have been, uh, or you're still listening to WPRK Winter Park, Florida. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks a lot, Nick.